Hello you, welcome to the Sunday bootleg. Um, welcome in fact to the penultimate episode of the Sunday bootleg. Um, yes, that's right, our next episode after this one will be the last and I shall return at the beginning of 2018 with something different. Um, so my name is Tom Slatter and this podcast is where I share stories about my life as a singer-songwriter, uh, have a chat with fellow indie musicians and play live or rare bootleg recordings. Um, so I recently got involved in a war between an army of metal insects on one side and an army of near human city boys, you know, the creatures that farm the giant glass eggs that turn into skyscrapers. I know what you're thinking, it's the sort of thing that could happen to anybody. Uh, the last part of the story I told was when Tarquin and a load of his mates started to attack some of the metal insects. Uh, they were badly defeated, uh, Tarquin and his boys. Um, we ran away, uh, me and them, uh, barely making it to the train, and it was on the train that I realised I had exactly the weapon we needed to defeat them. You may recall that the insects were created by a machine that could turn music into living metal creatures. But it just so happens that I have that machine, and it surely couldn't be too difficult to throw the thing into reverse and get the damn insects turned back into music again. So that was what we planned to do. After explaining my plan to Tarquin, however, he had a sensible question. How do we lure sufficient numbers of the creatures into one place in order to make our plan work? I was left considering that question for a good few weeks, a good few difficult weeks. I didn't know how I would do it, but I resolved that I would. I gave Tarquin the insect noise machine for safekeeping and told him to be ready with it. I asked how I could call him when the time was right, whether we would need a special signal or code. He said a text would be fine. Uh, we knew that the insects were breeding in London's building sites, clicking and ticking and welding and riveting new progeny together, getting ready to swarm and consume us all. I had to figure out a way to get the insects to swarm to a place of our choosing. I was left pondering the problem until Masquerade 2, a gig I'd been asked to play by Mike Morton. Masquerade 2 was a fantastic gig. Uh, me and Gareth played a great set, a um, couple of technical problems, I think a dodgy lead, but nothing uh, too bad. And then afterwards, we got riotously drunk. Um, I'll tell you how we got from Masquerade 2 to the final confrontation with the insects, but first, here's a bootleg recording of what we sounded like, and this begins with uh, Tony Colville, the egregious Tony Colville, um, giving what I think was a slightly impolite introduction. Can we have you smack right in? Penguin! 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 Right, you ready, Ben? I want to start with a slow hand clap. Come on. <laughs> Keep it up. Masquerade. And the music is brewed. Preacher could make it. So Tom Slider his music's rich, but his lyrics are cheesy. <laughs> Hush, now get the tissues, he's gonna make you cry. Tom Slap.
So Masquerade 2 was stuffed full of prog types. There was Magic Pie, Big Hog, I Am The Manic Whale, uh, The Tinderbox, as well as those wonderful bands. There were plenty of prog people in the audience. I don't know if you remember Grand Mukherjee, uh, the progressive klezmer act who had a hit in the late 70s with an album called Foil-Tinged Earthface. Not necessarily my cup of tea, but apparently the cowbell solos were a sight to behold uh, before the frontman Clive Cheese lost all his fingers. Anyway, in the interval at Masquerade, we got talking to Norman Cheese, Clive's brother, who played various woodwind instruments in the band. He was an old chap with a huge beer belly and a six-foot-long white beard that he wore like a scarf. Uh, he was telling us about this flute he'd recently acquired. Apparently it sounded odd when he played it. He reckoned uh, because it had warped somehow. He pulled the thing out of his bag and I recognised it immediately for what it was. A flute made out of the leg of one of those insect creatures. 
He complained that not only did it not sound in tune, but whenever he played it, there was a clicking noise from outside his house or from outside the rehearsal rooms, like it was attracting some kind of creature. I knew exactly what this meant, and I resolved there and then to steal the flute. That meant trying to drink Norman cheese of the band Grand Mukherjee under the table. Uh, this proved a very difficult task, involving all of the cash I had on me, all of Gareth's, and all that I could steal from Tony Colville when he wasn't looking. Eventually, after several vats of booze, Norman cheese fell unconscious and I could get my hands on his flute, though by this point it looked like two flutes and the room was spinning. I legged it from the gig, leaving behind the final band to finish what was admittedly an amazing set with a flute in my hands and Gareth in tow. I blew the flute, tootling a discordant melody as we weaved a drunken path through the Tufnell Park streets. It only took a few minutes of fluting for the insect creatures to appear. What the hell are those? Gareth said before falling unconscious into a ditch. I fluted on and half walked, half fell my way towards the centre of town. Behind me, the clicking and clacking grew louder as the insects gathered. The music I made was fluting from the limb of one of their dead comrades. The, the instrument had nine intervals to the octave, and each one was a sickly mangling that could never sound good to a human ear. But the metal steaming army of insects that followed me through the city streets that night were not human. Pincers scraped on cobbles. Eight-legged monsters scuttled along roads. Beer moths with legs for cranes ponderously thudded behind me as I led them all to their doom. With one hand I held the pipe and blew, with the other I texted Tarquin and told me to meet him on the banks of the Thames. It took a couple of hours to get there, and all the while my hideous entourage grew. By the time I finally met Tarquin on the Millennium Bridge, halfway across the river between St Paul's and the Tate Modern, every metal insect in the city must have been behind me. I stopped playing and turned to look. They stood on the riverside and in the water. They buzzed overhead and clung to walls and rooftops. No two were alike, but all steamed and whirred, their antennae waving like aerials in the breeze. Tarquin had brought the machine that birthed the insects. He had had it attached to a huge funnel and placed the whole thing on the back of a cart that the that three other Tarquins were pushing. Will this work? he asked. The insects seemed to be considering their next action. They watched us, alien and strange. Then they began to charge. There's only one way to find out, I said. I ran to the machine on its cart and flicked a switch. It gave a roar and burst into life. Light shone from it. I pulled the levers and hoped like hell that I remembered what I'd seen the machine's inventor doing with it before the insects did away with him. And then after only a few seconds, with a sudden hiccup and a cloud of black smoke, the machine fell silent again. I kicked at it, but it was utterly dead. The Millennium Bridge began to sway and vibrate as the insect army charged. We turned to run, but there were insects coming from the south as well. The machine, the one hope we had to defeat the monsters, was useless, and the enemy approached from either side. There was nothing we could do to stop them. Yeah. 